Every generation has a story and point of view. Come join the conversation at the XYZ Experiment. Welcome to the XYZ Experiment podcast. And today we want to share that one of our members, Luke, is moving interstate soon and he's moving for university. And we're very keen to have a chat to you, Luke, about where you're moving and why you're moving and what this means for your career. So tell us, where are you moving to? So I'm actually moving to Tasmania. At the end of last year, I was accepted into a Master's of Clinical Psychology at the University of Tasmania. So I'm going to be relocating in the next couple of weeks to Hobart for two years for this course. So can I ask a question around that? Because obviously we have a lot of talk behind the mic where people don't hear us. Mm. Can you explain to our listeners how hard it is to get into what you're doing? Yeah, so psychology is one of those professions where unfortunately, well, fortunately, I would actually argue, but unfortunately for those who wanted to get things done quickly, it is a very, very long process. In terms of studying, you're told up front it's at least six years of studying before you can even begin kind of practicing. But that doesn't even include the fact that after a couple of years, they'll still outright reject you if you don't have a lot of lived experience and professional experience. So I've actually been studying psychology since 2017 now. Uh. So that's seven years of study and, and work in, in the field as well. So, and this is actually not my first time applying for the master's course. I applied two years ago and didn't get in anywhere. And then last year... To be honest, I was told by some professional colleagues it probably wasn't worth applying for that year either. Just keep working on what you're doing just professionally and, and padding out your resume and getting that experience and trying again at the end of last year, which is what I did. And even then, I was still not super confident. I remember I was in Japan and I was in some like remote village just kind of walking around feeling so glum about it and just psyching myself up and being like, you know, it's not going to be this year, but you're going to be a great psychologist <laughs> and you're going to change the world. I know. Oh, um, super zen about it. And actually, my first couple of weeks in Hobart, I'm doing a lot of interstate travel because I, I booked a lot of events where I was kind of like, okay, if I don't get in, I'm going to make sure I'm still living my life and planning as if I'm not going to get in. But then I did get in. So now I've got all these other plans as well. But yeah, I was fortunate enough to get in. I mean, I should say, not fortunate, I've, I've worked hard to get to that point. But, you know, Dash and I were actually at a function a few months ago and, and one of our work colleagues told me that getting into a, a Master's of Clinical Psychology is as competitive as getting into a medicine course. Oh. So, I've definitely felt that over the last couple of years. Um, so, at the moment, it's, it's a lot of relief and a lot of pride that no matter what happens, I even got to this point. I know that you got accepted to a couple of courses. Why did you choose the Hobart one? So I got, I got accepted to an institute here in Melbourne as well. And so it was a toss-up between staying in Melbourne and going to Tassie. And alongside just being super impressed with what I saw regarding the campus and, and the values of the University of Tasmania, it's ranked really highly. I think it's the top university in the world for sustainability. Oh. And when you see the facilities, you, you understand that. And it, it looks amazing. But I've always kind of had this dream of just like, just packing up all my stuff and leaving. Yeah. 
And I just saw this as an, an incredible opportunity to do that. And, and even a little bit more personally, I, I love Melbourne. I think Melbourne will be one of the top three places forever for me. I can always see myself living here and living here indefinitely. But sometimes I do feel like I get eaten up a little bit by the city and get caught up in it all. And the idea of going somewhere different and we talk a lot about like personal responsibility when it comes to habits and yeah, you're not getting a good night's sleep or you're not eating healthy, but are you even trying? Are you doing this and that? But I also think your environment and your setting is also really important in contributing to that. And the idea of going somewhere where I'm away from, you know, just really a lot because the city is a lot. Living in a, in a city is a lot, a lot of stimuli, a lot of those habits that maybe you want to break that complacency is just around you because everyone's doing it the idea of going somewhere different where maybe it isn't as the city's not as big obviously in Hobart but also having just the opportunity to really try and establish new habits in that environment and also the novelty of moving to a new place you become more hyper aware of, of different things as well and the way that you operate so having that that opportunity to reflect and and try and change certain habits i think that's really exciting and, and i was just talking to someone else about it and it's just the idea to just pick up and leave i'm at a period in my life where i'm still young i don't have too many responsibilities i don't have a partner i don't have dependents i don't have a mortgage it seems like the right time to do it as well so are you kind of viewing it as a bit of a reset an opportunity for a reset yeah i think so and obviously i'm going over there and i really am so so like psyched pardon the pun to continue <laughs> my studies and to really really insert myself now in, into that industry that i'm really passionate about so professionally it's also the opportunity and and um tassie as well is a great opportunity to to try and really make an impact there which maybe it's also less it'd be less pronounced can completing a degree like this in, in the city in that sense but personally as well i think it's it's an amazing opportunity to challenge myself yeah going back to something you said earlier because i feel this was very gen z of you was saying about the sustainability and and the university being the forefront of that i think do you think that's something that really is for a gen z like i don't know if i would have thought of that you know as one of the reasons why i chose that as my university yeah probably contributes to it I wouldn't say, you know, I was so keen on getting into a university that I'm sure that in terms of priorities that maybe it wasn't as high as it would be if I was in like a more comfortable position. But I think going to an institution that really inspires you and drives you to be better, I think that's really important. And I think it's, it's not just the fact that philosophically sustainability is important to them. It's what that like reflects day to day, which means being around a bunch of people that feel the same way, that are studying with that in mind. And being around a group of people like that, I think is just, it just adds fuel to your own fire. Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. also what I'm really excited about is meeting people like that, that are, you know, trying the best to improve their industry to change the world because you feed off of that energy. You know, I go to parties and I meet people like that and we're talking for hours about our different professions, different ideas about how we want to make the world a better place. And you go home and you're like, oh, I need to go home and do something. I don't know what though. So it's going to be more than the psychology for you. There's going to be the philosophy as well for you. Yeah, definitely. And like, I know that in a future, future episode, we want to talk about 
universities and, and what different generations feel about it. And so I won't touch on it too much here, but I think university more so than just studying is an opportunity for, for everything. It's an opportunity to meet people. It's an opportunity to explore different things that you maybe wouldn't just because you weren't around certain people. And it's an opportunity to challenge yourself as well. And so I'm, I'm really excited about that as well, because I think in my undergrad days, I probably didn't spend, I didn't take the opportunities of being at university that I probably could have. Okay, interesting. That's why they probably want you to have life experience before you go on to this next course, for that very reason. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. So can I just ask a question around that then? Are you better off to almost be a mature age student when you're doing psychology? Is Oh, definitely, okay. definitely. I think one of the biggest things that's changed for me in between my undergrad and now probably because of my professional, well, not probably, because of my professional experience, I think that when you're studying psych and you're, you're an undergrad, you're 18, 19, and you're at, you know, a nice university surrounded by, you know, like-minded, progressive students, and you're going home to your family and you're telling them, I'm studying psychology, I want to go into psychology, you get a lot of, like, positive feedback from that, a lot of, wow, that's incredible, you know, you're going to change the world. You're such a X, Y, Z person, you know. But then when you actually go into the field, and my background was in crisis support, so working with people that are really, you know, a lot of these people, when they're kind of at that, that lowest point, that's who we'd be in contact with, sometimes they don't see what you're doing as helping. Or you need to make decisions with their well-being in mind that isn't going to result in positive affect. And when you're in those positions... They're really uncomfortable and even when you debrief with your colleagues and you're letting yourself know, you know, you, you did the right thing, it still hurts and it makes you question whether or not what you're doing is not only sustainable for you, but are you doing it for the right reasons? Mm. And so I really developed that really strong resolve during those professional moments of, yeah, this is actually really wanna, what I want to do. I really do want to change the world and do it through psychology as well. Yeah. It's interesting listening to you kind of, I guess, unpack the individual as well as that kind of world view in terms of changing um, how people might be living their lives and all of those types of things. One of the things that I've heard often for the careers of psychology, social work, even medicine, is often people are drawn to them because there's something within them that they're also trying to understand do you feel like that has been part of your narrative as to why you've chosen psychology? Oh, absolutely. I, th I would actually argue that almost everyone who finds themselves in a particular profession are drawn there because there's an element of it that they want to either challenge or develop within themselves. I yeah. totally agree with that. And, and I, I would, t you know, I would, for myself as well, personally, I'd agree with that as well. I think going and seeing a professional myself when I was in my like early teens it really facilitated a type of reflection that I'd never done with myself before. Mm. And on top of that, it provided me with a type of relief that I'd never experienced before. And I think that when it comes to psychology, and I'm obviously a psych student, so I'm not qualified to be giving any type of advice, but I think when we think of psychologists, we think of them when we're going to see them as someone that's going to solve all of our problems. But really the idea of a psych is a professional helper. They're there to be a buffer to be something that you can rub up against while you facilitate your own reflection your own understanding of yourself and and what helps you and what makes you you know 
be able to live the life that you want to live. And that's something that I'm really passionate about providing, particularly to young adults like myself who felt like, you know, I was so different. You know, I would wake up in the mornings and like just be so anxious and be thinking about like my friends. And I was just, I'd be thinking like, oh, I bet you they're just having the best sleep right now. Like, why is it just me that's waking up at like 5 a.m. feeling nauseous? But having someone there to kind of not only reassure you, but really provide you with that opportunity to, to think for yourself about what's going on and to talk through it. That's something that I'd, I'd really like to provide other, you know, young adults and adolescents, because when you have that breakthrough, you, you know, I, co- I couldn't have dreamed that I would have done what I already have, not that I've done too much, but what I've already done at 25 at that point. Going to the generational aspect of this, just because I'm thinking as you're talking and thinking about when you wake up in the morning and that, do you feel like Gen Zs, that there's no stigma for them to go to a psychologist? Because I know for baby boomers and Gen X, there was some stigma around that. And I know we've talked about this before, but I know when I first went to a psychologist, my mother, who's a baby boomer, um, God bless her, she um, she she was really worried when I wanted to see a psychologist, like, that's going to be on my medical record, you know, was I aware of that? She has completely different views around it now, but at the time, that's what it was to go to a psychologist. Do you think that's broken down, or do you think the generations are still quite different like that or i think it's definitely broken down i think that generally speaking i think a lot of people within gen z would would agree that there's a lot of benefit in going and seeing a psych whether or not that translates to like a really high percent of people going i'm not entirely sure i would assume it's a lot more than probably previous generations but i still do think that there's i think there's not stigma around going and seeing a psych but i think that concepts within psychology are still like weaponized and played upon like i think online in public discourse you still see a lot of people that are like oh you need help or like when when they're having an online beef they'll say things like you know i think you really need to go see someone and and they're trying to pose it like there's nothing wrong with that and like i'm i'm it's because i really care about you and i know that it will help but really it's it's taking a dig it's like saying that because you need to go see help you're lesser or there's something wrong with that. And I do also still think that there's times where, and maybe this is not just a stigma, this is like an interest in psychology generally, but every now and then terms within psychology find their way into like public discourse and they start being used as like, just like derogatory terms. Yeah. And they're like really misunderstood and it's like a lot of like misdiagnosing people or just like weaponizing psychological terms that like, I just think I really like, it's just really bizarre. Like in the last couple of years, there was like sociopath and psychopath. Yeah. They were used constantly discourse, you know, define, you know, sorry, diagnosing people as, you know, is this person a psychopath? Is this person a sociopath? And now there are words like parasocial. That's the new term. Wow. They try and make the terms more and more medical. So it sounds almost like they uh, know what they're talking about what, when they what don't. What is parasocial? I don't know. It's, I'm not entirely sure what it is used in like a clinical yes. setting, yeah. setting, but in terms of how it's used online, it's like when someone is being basically like rude or creepy or like antisocial, they'd be like, you're being so parasocial right now. Okay. Interesting. And so I think that <laughs> in, in my generation and, and Gen Alpha, I don't think that there's anything wrong with going and seeing them philosophically. You wouldn't see people outraged if someone said, oh, I think you should go see help or go get help. But 
I think that they still use it as a as a weapon. Mm-hmm. Or like saying, you know, I, I don't want to diagnose this person, but because I've seen these negative traits, they must have X, Y, Z condition. And it's because Gen Y did that a lot. And mm. we did a lot of quizzes online to see whether or not you're a narcissist, <laughs> oh, for example, yes, yeah, or you have a personality yeah. disorder, or you would answer the quiz on behalf of your friend <laughs> and be like, my friend is a narcissist um, and therefore I'm not going to be friends with them anymore. That's a big one, what? narcissist. Yeah. That's a big one now It's a big well. one. It's massive. And it's, it's kind of interesting listening to you talk about that because I do think there is a tendency for people to go straight to a diagnosis as opposed to recognising we all have traits of some of these yeah, psychological absolutely. conditions. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that we have um, the actual diagnosis or the syndrome of it. Um, but I am also thinking, even though I feel like people are a lot more accepting and willing to go to psychology, I think some of the barriers, which is like back to why is it such a challenging and hard degree to get in? I know you need to like have demonstrated personal growth and marks and all of that but there's not a lot of them around so wait times for psychologists can be really hard and it's expensive so I do think a lot of the younger generation often feel like they can't access psychology even if they wanted to. I was thinking about that when you were talking in that during lockdown they gave those um, six sessions that you could have paid for by the government and I know that psychologists were inundated people but they made it 20 they made it 20. Yeah, and then they dropped it back down to 10. Oh, I didn't know it went up to 20. Yeah. Wow, but even 10's a lot. Um, and then there was a big report that came out and they said to evaluate whether the 20 um, sessions with a psychologist was improving access and improving outcomes mm-hmm. for Australians. Mm-hmm. And then they said it didn't demonstrate that, so they dropped it back to 10 and there was a big uproar about that too. Wow. But I know people took it up. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. The uptake was huge. Mm. Like mm. So that tells you people want to go and, and, yeah, maybe cost is a factor is with a factor. that. But, I mean, y- you have to, you know, just because just I'm, I'm in that medical field myself, like, you deserve that fee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you deserve that fee. So I'm not questioning that it's not a deserved fee or anything like that. It's just that people just sometimes can't afford it. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to go into clinical psychology, not only because I'm really interested in the profession and super passionate about working within it, but I also think it's a great vantage point for mental health services generally mm-hmm. and getting a better idea of, of what yet yeah, all those different aspects of being a psychologist look like and, and the issues from, from the bottom up as well. And I'm trying my best every time I, I go into my study or, or another professional context remembering what I saw when I was a crisis support worker mm. and remembering what that need is. Because I think it's quite easy to, to aspire for things like private practice, which I'm no judgment at all. I, we need private practice. But thinking back to community services and what's going on there, that's also something I'm really interested in. Yeah. So you are moving, though, to Tasmania. I am. You are leaving your family home. How are your parents and sister feeling about this mixed definitely mixed my dad actually worked for hydro tasmania for about like 10 years so he's pretty comfortable with tasmania mum not so much oh she's not gonna be happy i said that (laughs) i think also just me leaving generally it really is kind of at this point now 
like a, a bunch of stuffs going on, whether it be like family members being ill and just at end of life or, or adult children moving out now, where I think it really is kind of dawning on everyone that it is the start of like almost a new, I'm hesitant to say generation, but a new kind of developmental period, a new period of, of all of our lives. Um, I think culturally it's a little bit easier for them that I'm moving into state. I think for them, the idea of me, if I had stayed in Melbourne, for example, and accepted that other course and then moved out, I think that would have, the reaction would not have been as positive. Because you're still within the same state that they're living in. They're like, why wouldn't you be living at home with me? Yeah, exactly. And so I think that for them, it's easier, it's an easier pill to swallow that I'm moving out because it's not in Melbourne. Yeah. And that's kind of actually what, what I've kind of felt over the last couple of months is just the fact that it's somewhere, it's almost like it's so abstract because it's not in Melbourne that it's like, okay, that it, that's happening. It's, it's so interesting because like I have cousins in the US, right? And it is the norm to move to a different state for university and study. Like it's very rare you would stay in your hometown. Whereas in an Australia, it's almost the reverse. Like it's it's more usual for you to stay in your hometown and stay at home and study. And so it'll be interesting to see how you find that. We'll have to come back and circle back and see like how you found the move to Tasmania for study for those reasons. Yeah, well, I actually had this really profound conversation with my grandma about a month ago when breaking to the grandparents was probably the hardest part. Mm. And I remember... We were sitting down. This was like, we weren't even really talking about Tasmania at this point. We were just sitting down, my family, my parents, my auntie and my grandma. And she kind of, again, we hadn't really been talking about it at that point. We'd moved on to a different conversation, but she kind of brought it back. And she said, you know, when, you know, we were in Greece and we were living in that village, there was nothing there. There were no opportunities there. And so we came to Australia for those opportunities and we got them and we had our kids and we've seen our grandkids. And... That was the opportunity for us. And if your opportunity isn't in Australia, then that's fine. That's what it is. And I found that so profound because they'd spent the last two generations building this entire family network where every second weekend there was some big event. Throughout the week you were popping into different relatives' place. They were creating this huge network. And then to just say, yeah, but, you know, if there's a better opportunity elsewhere, you have to go take that. It was something I was, I couldn't get my head around. I was so, yeah, it was such an incredible conversation to be part of and so profound on her part, for me at least. And so I think that's also how I'm viewing this as well, is it just an opportunity to just take opportunities and just to see what that experience is like and, and how that impacts my ability to change the world as well. Do you think family will come and visit you in Tassie? Or do you think you'll do a lot of travelling back here? I'm going to do a lot of travelling back just because there are certain relatives that can't travel. Yeah. Um, and that's been a huge commitment for me my entire life is family in that way. But, yeah, my my um, my uncles have already asked me. They asked me the other day, what are the schematics of, like, the, the house? Like, do I need to bring my own, like, air mattress? How's it going to work? And... Um, I think that a lot of people will come up. I've actually, sorry, come down, not up. I've actually had a lot of friends that all of a sudden I've never heard. I don't think I've heard the Tasmania come out of their mouth. But then all of a sudden they're like, oh, I was actually, yeah, I'm going to go to Tasmania this year. So I'll let you know my dates. Yeah. 
I was like, oh, that's very convenient, isn't it? It's the first thing I said to you. I'm going to Tassie yeah. you know, before April all comes to you. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. I didn't realise it was such a hot spot. So, yeah, I imagine a lot of people will be coming down. Because it's, it's, it's a fairly easy fare from here. There's always these specials on between Melbourne and Hobart. And it's a short flight. Yeah. It's less than an hour. You're yeah. there. It's, it's, in terms of the different states I could have gone to, and I haven't been to all the different states in Australia, I feel like it's the most different state I could have gone to, but also the most non-committal in how close it is to Melbourne. Mm. And I remember thinking that I, there was a bit of a mock-up with me doing my applications. And so while I was traveling around Japan, I was actually doing my applications. And so I remember being up at like 2 a.m. at my friend's apartment in Tokyo using her computer because I didn't have one on me submitting all these applications and i remember yeah like two o'clock submitting to the university of tasmania and being like huh yeah the university of tasmania that would be that would be amazing wow <laughs> and it happened and it happened so are you going to be living on your own or are you going to be like in a share house or anything like that so i was initially considering a share house and then i was initially considering you know having housemates but it all, I didn't realize how quick the turnover was going to be because uh. I, I found out mid-ish December and then moving mid-Feb, there isn't too much time to really organize that stuff. And the housing market there, it's not like it's super large to begin with. And so I went over a couple of weeks ago with my mom to see some of the places there. And, and I don't mean to typecast Tassie because I know it gets a bad rap. And so this story is not meant to do that. But <laughs> when I was... You know, a lot of the places I wasn't super keen on. There was one that was, a, it was quite a small apartment, but it had about 30 meters of, of um, garden that they were telling me was the tenant's responsibility to take care of. And as they were giving me this lecture on taking care of the garden, like a big chicken walks into the center of the garden. And I was like, oh, is that a chicken? And they were like, oh yeah, just so you know, you know, you're the tenants on either side of you, your neighbors raise chickens. So that's just something that's going to happen. And I was like, well, where am I? <laughs> so there were a lot of instances like that. And we were looking at some of the share houses and they just didn't look very well kept. And it was like five people to like one bathroom and things yeah. like that. And, and I, I had the opportunity to see an amazing apartment that was, it's just a single person. And um, we applied for it and, and we got it. And so I'm going to be living by myself, which I'm actually pretty pretty i've done that before in the past so it's not like it would be new to me living by myself and I'm, I'm pretty happy with that and do you feel like you have the life skills of cooking and cleaning and all of that to live oh, by i yourself? wouldn't say that no <laughs> but you'll I, learn them i know i've i've survived yeah. so that's um yeah again another good opportunity to challenge myself to really you know excel in those domestic duties that maybe i take for granted you know living with my parents you know, cereal can be eaten for dinner, you know. That. Oh, yeah. So can you ice know, cream. <laughs> my philosophy on food, yeah. Um, so what are you feeling most anxious or worried about in terms of your move to Tassie and studying? studying? I think every aspect of it, it's just on a spectrum where it just will go from one extreme to the other, from extreme excitement to extreme anxiety. At the moment... To be completely honest, I think that the actual course itself, I'm, I'm probably most anxious about the idea of, well, do I really have what it, what it takes mm. to, to complete this course? And again, this is something I think I've mentioned previously, but as part of gaining those life skills to be admitted into that course, I think there is this idea that 
and, and rightly so that you need to have all of your stuff together. You know, you can't really be going into this and trying to help people when you yourself are needing to develop or reflect on certain parts of your life. And, I, you know, I'm all for that. I think that's made me a better person as a result of being conscious of that for so long. Sometimes, though, I do wonder, you know, when I'm having a bad day or I'm feeling particularly anxious about something, even though it's probably completely normal and would make sense and it's appropriate, I sometimes think, man, do I have what it takes because I'm feeling like this? Mm. So I think part of that is just it's going to when – when I get there, I'll have a good idea of actually what, what – it entails to be like a holistic individual to begin with, but also I'm trying to make sure I remember that like I am human and like everyone feels like this and that's totally fine. I think that, and that's something that I've always kind of felt like I've, as I've kind of gone and done different things because I do really enjoy writing and I do have a bit of poetry published and I've published picture books and with poetry it can be quite intimate thinking, you know, is this going to come back to bite me? The fact that I'm showing myself vulnerable or I'm showing that, because sometimes poetry can be a little bit neurotic. Is, is it going to be an issue that that's out there? And am I reflecting the profession of psychology appropriately? So that kind of balance is something that I've always been considerate of. And now that I'm actually, you know, as part of applying for your master's, you have to register as a provisional psychologist. So technically you actually have a license in psychology, which is quite surreal for me. But you also wonder, you know, does that impact some of those other opportunities that I want to take? Mm, interesting. I just want to assure our viewers and listeners, I should say, that um, Luke is not leaving our podcast. <laughs> oh, great. Guys, I didn't know that either. This is awesome. <laughs> that he will continue with us. And also, it gives us a new opportunity to um, perhaps do some visual podcasting as well. Yeah, so definitely. So we'll be able to put that up on YouTube and TikTok and, and it'll present, present us with new opportunities Tazzy for this podcast. Tassie stunning. Yeah. Oh, it's one of the most beautiful places I've been. Maybe we can come down there and do a few episodes. From that a mountain top. top. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Amazing to go we, down there and really do it. It's really cold, but if you're down for that, let's. I'm so down. <laughs> let's That's do so it. Good. Let's do it. We wish you the best of luck with that move. Like, Thank I can't you. I wait to it. see how your adventure goes. I really can't. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Hi, Fiona here. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the XYZ Experiment podcast. And don't forget to leave a rating and review. If you enjoyed our show, tell all your friends and family and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at the XYZ Experiment for all the latest updates and news. Our original music was composed and performed by Luke Champion. 